From the birthplace of modern winemaking, Sonoma, California, welcome to the winemakers. Local experts Sam Katuri, Bart Hansen, and Brian Casey, along with host John Myers, invite you to listen in as they discuss all facets of winemaking. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and let's hear what the guys have to say this week. So who asked the best question, Sam? <laughs> uh, the question is always... Always the same? But the best question is always the same. It comes from my brother, and the question is, what do they do with the moguls in the summertime? <laughs> and it and it is um, something that we have heard asked when we were both ski resort employees of you know from a tourist at, at the mountain formerly known as Squaw Valley uh, and they asked us what we did with the moguls in the summertime and we said there's a big warehouse in Reno climate controlled storm storm liquid nitrogen right that's the key that's the key to the whole thing I mean you know I, I people have asked you know how do you get those flavors into the wine right you know that's right. the great thing about wine it does just, it naturally it's like the only bags and bags of Hershey's Kisses, right. and then we have, the, and they have the interns open each one because yes. you don't want the aluminum foil in no, there. No. <laughs> and that's how you get chocolate flavors in wine. Right. You <laughs> stuff it in there. Right. What do they do with the moguls? What do they do with the moguls in the summertime? <laughs> Curry just went into the bush. He's, yeah. he's hiding. He's embarrassed by that right, question. <laughs> embarrassed. And it's Paul. We've got everybody here today. So anyway, welcome to the winemakers. Paul I am, lacks embarrassment. I am John Myers with Cuts Sam his Couture own hair. And Bart Hansen on a beautiful day. It's, however, we have rain coming uh, tomorrow. It seems like sixty percent chance. In the don't afternoon. don't say the R word. It's Jasmine's wedding tomorrow. I it's not allowed to start raining until about ten o'clock tomorrow night. That's the idea, isn't it? <laughs> and actually, that's that's kind of what the report looks like it's more of a sunday late night sunday yeah. morning event that's good. uh but like a quarter inch maybe yeah that's, that's we'll enough. Take, you know we'll take it i think for jasmine's sake i think she'd probably much rather have it be unsettled than blazing hot as for my sake considering i'm wearing a blazer uh i'm really happy it's gonna be a little oh, yeah. cold and cloudy i'm like sweating as it is <laughs> sam i can't i can't uh go to a wedding without wearing a blazer well i, I you got I, uh, I don't own one well as we were discussing before we um <laughs> started recording you know, if I could just, if I was just sitting in the back row and causing trouble, I'd probably wear a really nice T-shirt. But I, you always have nice T-shirts. I have, yeah, thank you, John. Uh, but because um, Althea is the flower girl, aha, uh-huh. I am assuming that there is going to be some like photos. Some well, there's going to be photos, but I don't. Whatever, I can cover the photos. I will be standing in front of the entire wedding. You know all the guests how many, at some point. How many people are here? Much, 150 people. Holy in the shit! Wedding. It's really? Definitely not a little. Wow. Affair, a little affair. No kidding. Um, is there a um, is there a ring bearer or a flower boy also? I I don't. Or is she going? I don't know. Solo? I don't know. 
I imagine I'll find everything out at the rehearsal this afternoon. I get, oh, yes, of yes. course. Oh, is that the idea? It's all happening I mean, rehearsals are actually, wedding rehearsals actually are for a reason. Right. The rehearsal dinner is not for right. a reason. The rehearsal. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, like, stand here now, you dummy, um, is definitely an important well, you part have, of it. You have quite a history with being a ring bearer. At basically Althea's age, yeah. uh, in about three. I don't know if... There will be any famous rock stars in the photos uh, on Saturday, but maybe, you know. You never know. Phil will be there. Phil will be there. <laughs> Phil's a rock star. Althea is going to be the future of something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Something. She's, she's going to be the director Enterprise Vineyards in about 10 yeah. years. Well, yeah. she, she needs a driver's license <laughs> right? first. Exactly. <laughs> Although, yeah, yeah. It, it'll be not long. Well, well she's already the boss. We know she's that. definitely the boss. And we'll all have, you know, um, uh, Carlo Mondavi self-driving tractors by then. So we don't need a driver's license. I was just exchanging a message with Carlos. We're going to get we're going to get him on. We'll get yeah, him. it's um, she was asking if first thing in the morning or at the end of the day or even a weekend would work. And I said, suggest some dates and we'll make it happen. Yeah. We'll oh, yeah. Here. We'll be here first thing in the morning. Yeah. Coffee and tractors. Right. That, that would be a whole podcast. Yeah. Coffee and tractors. Coffee and tractors. I like it. <laughs> what do we got here this morning? Uh, we just put this back on the menu. Um, this is a 2019 Simon's Marson. Thank you. you. Know, summertime. Summertime. Rosé, uh, white wine, cans. Well, speaking of summertime, it's looking beautiful in the fields. It, it really is for the third of June. Uh, it, it the you know if you look at the way the vines look ne right now as opposed to last year, as far as how much Beautiful, growth there is, uh, how much fruit there is out there, um, it's it's night and day. And even though you know this was a drought winter for sure, and we had went that you know three month stretch from. January first to with nothing. With nothing. Um the amount of rain in, in October and December and then that late rain. Right. Um you know, the the I was just up in Muchas Piedras, the the vines are the biggest they've ever been there. And that's a place that has some growth struggles. Really? Uh, yeah, it's just a big pile of rocks. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, and you know, a lot of the I mean, obviously all of the um the rocky facings, the ed the the, the the crowns of the um, valley, so to speak, you know, are all dried out. But anywhere there's a, a low lying area or, a you know, a bowl, um, it's still pretty green, still green yeah. um, as far as just the grasses, which is awesome. And if we really get a quarter inch right over the weekend, it'll, you know, it'll give us another week or two of that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll keep it. So, but, you know, the thing ground out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's happening. That's but that's June 1st. Right. That's a, the grass of California goes to seed and turns brown. It doesn't really matter how much rain you got. Right. Right. Um, and anything that's going to grow now is just noxious weeds, um, you know, um, that thistle are and, right. Thistle and burn. Right. Um, but, you know, again, the wind continues. Um, it's got to be the windiest spring that we've had winter spring that we've had and i don't know if they measure that um, i'm sure but, somebody does um so that's crazy um but yeah i mean it looks beautiful out there yeah you know? the, the wind the definitely some effects of the wind that i was seeing yeah some some shatter i mean you know it was grenache and alicante and things like that that shatter anyway but um yeah. I, I, the only thing that i can think of that would have caused the amount of shatter that i was seeing 
It's high winds. There's the wind. Well, it's, we, we've been, had some really wind. been anything else. No. There's been some heat. Right. And that can do it. I mean, you know, the the one of the great design flaws of the grapevine is just how fragile the, the blossoms are. Um, so, you know, anything can do it. Too hot, too cold, too windy, too dry, right. too wet. I mean. Um, well, and, and we've had extremes, you know, right. again this year, right? We've had we had those late frosts and, you know, frost frost issues, you know, are affecting some people. So, um, yeah, it's another it's yeah, another adventure. Enjoy your Marsan while, while we have it because we're not going to have any 2022. Yeah. Oh, really? There you go. I mean, um, yeah. Interesting. Um, so we are here today. Uh, we're gathered here today. We're gathered here today <laughs> uh, to uh, no the wedding show. Right. The, the wedding show. Um, no, truth be told, we don't have a, a guest. Um, we uh, thought about taking the week off, but know that people do like to throw in some questions um, and it gives us something to talk about. Um, we're all staring at our phones here and I'm just we're reading the, reading the questions. In. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, um, there's some good questions. Yeah, there is. I don't know what, I don't know what you got. I got like three. Okay. I think I have three or four. Um, um, uh, Roger Randall wants to have a contest to design a 16600 hat and a winemakers podcast hat. Um, so Roger, if you want to coordinate that and organize that, I'm happy to participate. <laughs> That, so was, he, that was the first question I got. That and where, what we do with the moguls in the summertime. So he wants he wants basically what he's saying. He wants a sixteen six hundred um, hat and a winemaker's spot. Winemaker's but we need hat. a t-shirt first. <laughs> we just need yeah uh, for the hat. Uh, we had uh, um, Mark. I'm never going to say your last name, Mark. Uh, and Mark and Maureen in the tasting room last last yesterday afternoon. And and uh, Mark's wife Maureen. Every time she's come in. She said, I'll buy a T-shirt from you when you have a long sleeve. You know, they live in Chicago. It makes sense. Um, so, I, I, you know, yesterday my joke was we're just going to have a whole, like, winter, you know, fall line. You know, have uh, the full, like, I'm, 16600 I'm a full of uh, long sleeve T-shirts <laughs> myself. Um, so maybe we'll add some hats, right. a, a knit cap, a, a knit beanie. Cap, yep. White Park Workwear, where are you? Right. <laughs> All hemp. All hemp. Um, so yeah, hat, I mean, a, a, hat a hat. And, and the shirt, uh, you know, we could very easily we keep teasing that we're going to do the shirt with the top 10 things heard on the winemakers podcast, which I did somewhere start to assemble that list. That's got to be up to top 20 now, though, right? You've you come up with 20. Do, you, you've got to okay, cut it at 20, 10. 10. Cut it at 10. 10. 10 on the front, 10 on the back. <laughs> there we go. 10 good ones and 10. <laughs> really? The, really? <laughs> they really said that on a show that <laughs> they submit to the public? For... We did coffee mugs like that for a client. It was the top 10 Chuck-isms. And the, the top one was, what part of no didn't you understand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that could be, this could be, this part of the list that is Phil-isms that would have yeah, that. I can understand that, Phil. So, what is Phil's favorite? Phil's favorite saying? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, Phil's favorite saying. Well, think about for it. For me, he always says, you fuck around and you fuck around and you don't do shit. So now it's actually uh, managers at Enterprise Vineyards when they're doing like admin time or like you know submitting hours that aren't billable hours the, there's a manager who codes those times as as fafonzing 
F.A. fucking around, fucking around, and not doing shit for Fonzie. So wasn't there a, um, we recently got a message uh, that we should swear less on the podcast, didn't we? Yeah. Oops. We don't swear a lot on the podcast. Well, there may have been some. Uh, there might have been some guests. That some we had guests on. in a Paso show who <laughs> came in hot. You know, came and in left, hot and, and left, left on hot, fire. Left on fire. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> that was quite um, a good show. It was a fun show. So it top really t- but top ten philisms. Uh, you know, he he drops that hanging with integrity and dappled sunlight in just about every client meeting he can. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love the you yeah. fuck around, you fuck around, <laughs> and, and you don't, don't do shit. <laughs> um, so, That's great. I'm gonna steal that. Man. <laughs> That's perfect. So here's a question, um, and we'll get this out of the way because Brian's not here to defend himself. Uh, I kind of want denigrate to denigrate all psalms. Yeah. I kind of want to know what's Brian's favorite food. Do you guys want to all speculate on Brian's favorite food, and wow. then when he's back, we'll have an answer? Uh, should we push that one off? Is pick Shannon Bonk? Does, does, yeah, does does pool count? Yeah, as a food, it does. It's does great. Acidity, acid, acid is yes. Brian's favorite food. Yeah. He just eats acid all day now. <laughs> um, what what is Brian? You know, I, Brian More Brian Gala. does order food at a restaurant like a somebody who's been a pro in a restaurant his right. entire life right. like going to lunch with brian is uh is That's especially at like the fig or something where he knows you just like before you know you know before you've like found the comfortable way to sit on the cushion on the bench right there's, there's like, like four things in front of you and right. they're all like i would have ordered all of those if right. i knew yeah yeah uh, so uh, i think that brian's favorite food is is ordering food yeah i'm going with mortadella at the uh girl in the fig i i just remember him ordering more of that than anything else I remember. But I also think I'm going to guess that it's also, um, you know, things that are uh, acid. Yeah, I was going to say pair with high like, acid wines. <laughs> with uh, high acid wines. <laughs> uh, you know, French fries, fried anything. chicken, <laughs> anything, you know, so maybe a nice hard cheese. Right. Some some light fish in your blanc. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe some you know. mussels in. Uh, oh, yes, yeah. for sure. <laughs> Actually, tray, a tray of oysters and uh, some pick pool and a coastal view. Yeah. The last couple of times I've gone to the girl and fig, that's what I've had is the mussels. Uh, the mu- yeah. And with uh, Patisse? Huh? Patisse. Yeah. 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 Uh, so good. So yeah. good. So anyway. Okay. Well, there you go. Right, we'll we'll check in with right. Matt. But and with, like, like um, you know, Psalms in general, it's they eat. I'm sure Brian eats more after 10 o'clock at night than most people do. You know, an entire in their you know in a week than most people yeah. do in their entire lives. Yeah. Um, so you know, what do you eat late at night? It's not you're not like, you know, having a quinoa bowl. <laughs> you know, it's right. like you got to have something that sticks to your bones and helps you go to sleep. Right. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So from uh, David Hayes. Okay. You have to choose one, Grenache or Syrah, and 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 there's two ways to look at this question. That you have to choose one to drink, or you have to choose one to make and and sell. I now that's I'm reading into that. Okay, so make and sell, make sell drink. Well, no, either kill if own, Mary. If, if, if you and, only get okay. to drink one wine, what are you gonna pick? The Syrah. Well, you, yeah, for me, M- McLaren Syrah. That's what would I would. That be yeah, it. That's yeah. what I would go with. I. You can do more with Grenache. I agree. Right. You could make a Grenache 
that tastes more like a Syrah than you can ever make a Syrah that tastes like a Grenache. Yes. Um, well, you know, then, rose and- of Syrah is okay, right. but not great. Right. Uh, Grenache has a you know a white and a gris version. Oh yeah, he didn't. Um, he didn't specify that. whether yeah. it's Grenache Blanc or you know he's just said Grenache. Grenache. So I, the just pure versatility alone. Um, you know that said, um, do you have to explain what Syrah is to a lot less customers than you have to explain what Grenache is? Uh, and I'm sure that Dave knows that. Um, but you also have a whole lot of customers that are like Shraz? Shraz? So then I also I'll I'll mess with it even more. Like if you told me that it was Syrah coming from the Central Valley or Grenache from the Central Valley, I would take the Grenache all day long. You know, I mean, I guess. Right. Growing conditions. Yeah. You know, know, I actually I probably would take the Syrah Central Valley. You know, I think it um, has a better chance of being done close to well. Yeah, I guess you're right. Because Grenache um, being rushed to um, yeah. to ripeness Grenache, at, it, it at extreme heat, um, it, it would never be in balance. It would never be in balance. It would never actually be. It would be off the charts ripeness in, you know, statistical categories and sugar yeah. for sure. Right. Uh, but it would never have right. resolved tannins. Um, and, you know... I, Syrah's in that sense, Syrah probably is a little more forgiving as a from a from a growing standpoint. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah. Now, drinkers, drink Grenache, Grenache, sell Grenache, Grenache. Ooh, yeah, right. I think it's still easier to. I mean, I think more people have heard Syrah, but I think a Grenache is a more compelling story. Story. Yeah. I don't know. All right. You have to you have to answer back on that one, Dave, because well, you probably I mean, have, you know, we sell wine in our little like tiny little bubble. Right. You probably have more knowledge. Yeah, we'll hear that from the let's if, if you were listening and you're in the wine selling retail side of it, you know. Yeah. Hit us up. Hit us up because we have this very, you know, we're in this our little Grenache bubble. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Hit us up. Um. All right. Tell uh, us we're wrong. Tell tell <laughs> us we're wrong. Uh, move on back to this one. Right. Do you want to get this one that um, Tyler McClellan on Twitter? Yeah. This yeah. is this is. Um, I'm just gonna read what he wrote because rather than trying to summarize it, and then we can kind of like break it apart and see you know what are the pieces here. But um, so Tyler Tyler Macro Ten. Uh, which probably means he's in the wine business, right? Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the broader, quote, wine-growing geography of Sonoma County. I'm pretty familiar with it, but it would be interesting to hear everyone's views on the way certain areas, Bedrock, Old Hill, uh, Carneros, Petaluma Gap, Sonoma Mountain, Moon Mountain, et cetera, have evolved. And with that evolution, whether there's we're still in the early process of discovering what each microregion, quote, does best, whether growers have more or less begun to settle into some rules of thumb. Uh, always interesting in contrast to the Napa monoculture. Um, so there's, uh, clearly there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. Um, that was, that probably is an entire show's worth of question. Tyler. Oh, easy. Um, easy. And, you know, I, I mean, we'll start to dissect it now. Yeah. I mean, it was certainly like in Sonoma County, 
you have regions that have things that they're known for, um, you know, and it, it's the Russian River Valley and, and Zinfandel, but also Pinot Noir, um, the Sonoma Coast Appalachian, the sort of interesting development there with that, like, whatever they're calling it, West Sonoma, North True Sonoma Coast, which is truly the Sonoma Coast, which basically is only a place you could grow Pinot Noir and, and Chardonnay climatically. Um, but, you know, the, the interesting thing, to me, the interesting thing about his question, when he talks about the Napa monoculture and... and the Sonoma, you know, the diversity of Sonoma. And sure, we we're closer it's to the, big. We're big. We're bigger than Napa. Vol, you know, size wise, there's way more diversity as far as, you know, closer to the ocean, further away. Yep. Um, but well, the Nap- monoculture. Napa has a really good monoculture. They really well, do. But, well, it's, but then, it's not necessarily geographically or clim- climate driven. No, it's, it's, it's ego it's, driven. It's, it's economically yeah. driven. Right. Yeah. But, it, but it is. So, but, but here's the deal. Napa Valley still is truly like a valley, right? It starts at the top of the Vacas and it starts at the top of the Mayacamas and it feeds into one place, right? And so in that way, it is a little bit of a monoculture. In I mean, I know there's pocket valleys. Right. I know there's different elevations. I know there's different um, sites, but it's still the basic same valley. Sonoma County, it, it's all over the place. Like, Alexander Valley and Dry Creek run different ways. They, you know, that's that's aspects. interesting. Russian River it? Valley. You know, there's t- almost two different Russian River Valleys. If you're up close north to Healdsburg, the, you know, it's you totally make that you make that turn at what is now Landmark. It was Hopkiln, right. and the weather changes completely up up there. Right. Um, so is that so, when you get over so towards think, Monterio? And well, then you go all the way down to Monterio, and then it's right. You know, I mean, again, Redwood totally forest. different. Yeah. 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 Um, there's, there's places that you can't grow grapes cause it never sees the sun. Right. Um, so, um, so anyway, uh, sorry, Sam, go back yeah, and, to what you're saying. I mean, it is, it's economically driven right. by, and, and there's, you know, I mean, obviously look, there's great wines in, in Napa that aren't Cabernet. Um, you know, look at, I mean, not to Oakville ranch Grenache. Yeah. Um, the Bedrock Farm, uh, Oakville Farmhouse wines that are this, you know, crazy old field blend of basically everything but Cabernet. Um, you know, the, the, what's that, um, red and green or whatever, the Zinfandels yep. that they, yep. you know, um, Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc. You know? Right. Um, Spotswood, uh, going over to, uh, what, uh, used to be, um, the I- Isol Vineyard, um, oh, Arajo, Arajo, yeah, you know, I mean, and I old Arajo Sauvignon Blanc is like one of the best wine experiences I've had, and tastes like yeah. smells and tastes like Parmesan cheese. Well, Nothing you know, like I it. I met a lady at lunch the other day who was a a vintner from uh, a grower from Oakville, and I asked her what she grew, and she's I'm from Oakville. What do you right. think I grow? It's like right. cab, yeah. Right. So what do you what so, do you drink? Not yeah. cab. Right. <laughs> that's why she's at the girl in the fig. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, I mean that's you know from a selling wine branding marketing standpoint, it's great that you know Napa and Cabernet are so synonymous. Um, from a you know diversity and you know um, just variety sort of uh, standpoint. Sonoma County has that 
you know, it's difficult. You know, what do you grow well in Sonoma Valley? Everything. Everything. Right. But so then, you, but that's way harder to market than Cabernet. Yes, yeah, so we have right. Cabernet, um, the best of the world and, right and, here. And for Sonoma County, there are definitely areas, as, as you said, I mean, when you think about Pinot Noir in Sonoma County, it's Russian River. I mean, when you think about about wines that Sonoma County in the broad sense, like, again, out of our bubble here right. across the country, you know, Pinot and Chard are 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 what people think what of people think of when yeah. they think of Sonoma. Right. right? So we can say some Zin, you know, there is some cab, you know. But when you look at some of the micro or the um, sub appellations, Petaluma Gap. You know, again, it's going to be the same thing, Pinot and Chard. Yep. But there's some Cabernet over there, and there's right. some other stuff being planted. And, and then with go- climate change, it's it's going to work, you know, or it's going to it's going to evolve. And then farming practices, right? You know, people are figuring out how to farm in those places where there wasn't traditionally grapes. I guess is also where I'm going with it. You know. Yeah. Well, and, the, um, and it's also as these other varieties gain marketability right Grenache right. Syrah you know Tariga National whatever yeah um it becomes possible to farm them well as opposed to from a farming standpoint economics you're in Russian River you're out in Santa Rosa Plain or something I, the only thing you know and then the same with Napa if you're in Napa the only thing that you can farm to cover the cost of farming in Napa at this point is Cabernet. Is Cabernet. And and you're out there if you're That's selling grapes. Sad, actually. If you're selling grapes, you gotta sell you have to have Pinot Noir and, and Chardonnay to get the you know, to get the grape prices to actually afford, you know, to to have a break even which is the goal of every farmer, every vineyard is have a break even uh, year. You have to have you know, you have to have those sort of like foundational varieties right. economically. Right. Um, so that's, you know, as much as like what does great and what makes great wine is what we hope can drive. So there's there's probably more opportunities in the future for, um, diversity. Um, although, well, this is going to happen also in Alexander Valley in the warmer, in the warmer areas is they're going to have to change and they're going to have to look at other varieties. Um, and it will be different than it is in Petaluma Gap or Sonoma Carneros. Right. Or that, that new Sonoma Coast AVA. Or the new Sonoma So let's Coast reverse AVA. this. Instead of being the diverse one, if, some, if Sonoma were to market like Napa, what would our grape be right now? Would it be Zen? No, no. Sonoma I mean, Valley or Sonoma, Sonoma Valley? You're, you're, you're saying economically? If... if if right. Sonoma developed like Napa and we were down to one varietal, Sonoma cab, Valley, what would Sonoma Valley be known for? I think that what Sonoma Valley would, what the wineries and grape growers of Sonoma would, at least from, you know, Leveroni Road North, it'd be Cabernet. Yeah. I, I mean, if you want to look at like the five, seven, wine brands that really have like made it in Sonoma and uh, you know on a national you, you start with Arrowwood you start with Chateau St. Jean that's Cabernet um you know moving into like sort of modern times Cayman Repris Stone Edge Farm it's Cabernet yeah. um you go you know Cayman. go ask go ask Brene you know for the breakdown of what's planted at Monterosso and there's everything's out there is all those different varieties but right now it's 
65% cab. Cabernet. Um, you know, there's cab that's grown on the valley floor in the southern end of the valley to the very top of the mountain. Um, but, you know, that. so then the problem that we have is trying to position ourselves as a place for great Cabernet, which we are, obviously. I mean, if you look at the, the you know, these wine spectator courses came out. Every Moon Mountain District Cabernet from Molesworth, you know, was 90, above 90 points, many of them 92, 93, 95, 96. Um, but we're literally, you know, it's a David and Goliath uh, that it is, battle it? because, you know, so you're in this sort of like catch 22. Yes. Cabernet and Cabernet is what sells and, and we're really good at it, but we're not as good at talking about how good we are at it as Napa. As Napa. Just, just, right. well, they that, just don't, they that's just don't that. they own that space. Right? Yeah, they do own that space. Don't they? And, and it's not like it happened overnight. They've been working right. on it for a long, for decades. Time. And, you know, and, and, and the press has had a lot to do with it also. Right. Um, the press has, you know, made it the emphasis and, 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 and the market, like, you know, it's also easy to spell. Right. Right. Like, really, you know, what's what's got easier stickiness, Napa or Sonoma? Just saying it that's got like the the like psychology of words and letters and syllable. Uh, you know, people people come here to Sonoma and it's like you're in Sonoma County. It says Sonoma everywhere. And they say they're in Napa. Right. <laughs> right. So this is from uh, England because because yeah. it's the. Queen's 90th oh, birthday yeah. or some such shit like that. Uh, they have their own line of wines. A Pauliac for 50. They have the official Buckingham Palace seal. A white Bordeaux for 25 made by um, Lafitte Rothschild and Duhart Rothschild. Vintage Champagne 56 made by Baron Fuente. A port and the Tokai Azu six noise which is the really sweet, really sweet, really sweet stuff at 75 bucks. It's probably all the 90-year-old queens drinking at this point anyway. Right? <laughs> um, she likes but, her bubbly. If, But if you want to talk about why Cabernet is the dominant variety on the planet, it's probably the connection, you know, and dig into the history of it, uh, the fact that Bordeaux is right across the English Channel from, from England. Man. And, you know, the kings and queens would come over and get their barrels of Bordeaux. And, Bord you know, Cab was the wine of the British royalty. Uh, and, you know, we're still we're still suffering those slings and arrows. <laughs> <laughs> did you, you, didn't, ever, you didn't think Shakespeare was did showing you, up, did, did you, you ever Martin? see Macbeth? <laughs> wow. This latest Macbeth. I didn't know. It's, it's great. When it comes on TV, All watch right, it. It's, it's done like a play. Oh, that's right. It's, it's like it's really it's staged like done. on a scene. Yeah. 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 I, I really loved it. It was great. Something wicked this way comes. <laughs> oh, man. You know, all those things that we learned. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. It's so many other great ones out of that. So. Okay, so here's one. Wait a minute. That, we're, we're not done. We haven't. No, no, no. I'm just, I, I'm no, just asking for wine. red wines. Huh? What, what, what do you got to pour? Um, oh, so I. Um, okay, then that'll go to our next question. Um, Look at that. Good. Professional transition. But did we He's finish? Segways. Does better whether grower or more or less begun to settle into some rule of thumb? Did we finish this story or not? No, with with with, with Tyler, no, we're gonna. That's like three episodes worth yeah, of questions. Okay. Tyler, we'll, we'll get Tyler. You're you're yeah. too smart for us, Tyler. 
those are too academic. Yeah, you know, Tyler, <laughs> hit us back up on Twitter and um, let's keep discussing yeah. it. And maybe... Tell us how we did answering right. your question, right. Tyler. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. So um, uh, someone was asking about my Malbec and how it was progressing when it might be ready to be how is your Malbec? Um, released. And I can tell you that I don't have labels yet. And <laughs> I got to sell some wine before I can afford to print some labels. Yep. So if anyone wants to buy some wine, buy some wine. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, the idea is that would be a fall release and I haven't tasted it in a month or so. So I just figured I bring in all the unreleased wines and we won't talk about them all, but at least we can taste them all back. There's only so, three. There's only three. Right. So, so anyway, um, uh, there you go, Travis. Um, we'll get back to you on that in the discussion here. But while we're tasting the I tell wine, you know, winemakers podcast listeners are real f- wine freaks. They're like, "Where's the Malbec?" Right. <laughs> okay, so here's one. This so while we're tasting, while we're tasting, we can talk about this. Um, of all the pa- podcasts, which is your favorite interview? Why? And that's to each of us. Uh, Joel Peterson. Because he's the godfather and we just had a blast doing it. And I like the guy. That's mine. I mean, Put I, you on the spot, didn't I, Sam? I, I, I always I come back to two. Certainly. Um, the Will Buckland episode. Yeah, we could probably do it. That entire, was really good. You know, you know, a month's worth of podcast. Will was Will. fascinating. Um, I, I really loved having Nicole Rolay on when we did. Yeah. Um, and how about Kathy Huhe with uh, when we when we had uh, duck confit tacos out here? Oh, that's right. Uh, that was early old, what, on. What was, yeah. What was my old office? Um, you know, that was that was a good that's one. That's early on. That was man. a good one. Really early. Um, and then we got mentioned in Forbes for that. We got some nice, <laughs> nice ink. Whatever it takes. Um, <laughs> also, uh, you know the conversation we had with with Kimberly, your your mentee, um, and just sort of the this wow. uh, you know different side of the war you know country and different way in to this business and and that whole like what the Roots Fund is doing. Um, I thought that was of of Very recent deal, episodes yeah. too. That was a, that was a great one. Um, those are like three that kind of pop out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the easy way out on this and say uh the next one the next interview we have how's that good call <laughs> if you'd like to be interviewed on the winemakers podcast right. please write to mountain cabernet at gmail.com so sam i will buckland was a great episode yeah that was really fascinating because of where he is and who he is it's a steward of that particular area of yeah. land which is so famous right here yeah and yeah i i found that very interesting yeah, good Brian uh, Bart, I can't. What would Brian say? Yeah, I, I mean, I well, um, you know, I, I to go back to it. Um, I really truly uh, enjoyed the interview we did with um, Stuart, uh, that who was the um, the shepherd at um, uh, Tablas Creek. At Tablas Creek when Brian yeah. and I went down there um, because it we we had no idea what we were getting into and um, we didn't talk about wine at all um, and then. 
I, I have to say what the guys are doing at Hanzel, like that mm-hmm. was, that was an awesome one for, you know, making us think differently and trying to move forward, moving the pendulum forward. Um, and Jason's whole life, I mean, both of them, Jason and Brandon, but Jason's um, sort of like life and career arc from, yeah, you know, fixing lawnmowers in his backyard and in Lodi to, yeah. you know, the heights of the wine world. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, you know, um, and, and then, of course, you know, uh, um, Mike Benziger and, and Richard and, and Dave Ramey. I mean, th- those are all the classic, the, you know, ones. Right. Anyway, I, I Mike can't Benzie, go through. Mike was a good one because we were up at his place. Right, in his garden. Surrounded by thousands of bees. Right. And then the dogs <laughs> running under, un- unplugging the equipment under. I mean, that was definitely classic winemakers podcast moment. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. So we were, bu- anyway, we were bumping up against the technology at that point. That's all. As always. Yes, on brand. Well, that's 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 the brand and that's what we are. So so the first wine I poured for you guys is the 19 Rossi. Um I guess it's not a Rossi Grenache, it's just a Rossi Rossi blend. Um well, the so the nose on this is This was the wine sand that deep. we tasted them separately and and put them and put them together and then there's there's still the um the the one that was in the amphora i haven't bottled yet it's still um hanging out but it's the same blend this is like interesting like color too Six, yeah, yeah yeah which carries the brown note is it the maved the brown note you mean the color color grenache um the grenache okay the, you know the gr- grenache is not a deeply colored red wine by itself ruby we prefer ruby john <laughs> thank you <laughs> yeah did it well, sound like i was swallowing my tongue when john said no brown? i'm not i'm not trying mean... to say browned out there is no, no, no brown, definitely like it's not brown it's not component vibrant though. purple yeah. right it's it's grenache it's right. got that like you know much more muted uh we'll get to the vibrant purple here shortly um but i i'm really happy with this wine like there are things in the 18 rossi that i'm critical of um and people love that wine but i'm critical of and um it's remedied in this wine um but still shows rossi all the way it's totally rossi yeah i think it's more rossi than the 18 is yeah i'm bringing the mavedra in probably helped that also i mean 18 was you know you every every picking decision in 18 you can go back and second guess and say we probably could have picked that a week or two later. Right. And, 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 you know, even the stuff that we picked on election day, it's still plow vineyard. You know, you pick it because you're worried about weather and all these things, but we could have waited until Thanksgiving that year. Um, and you know that the, the to 18th, what end? What's it going to give you? Uh, more, more mature tannin structure. I mean, I think I think if you know if Bart the 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 critiques that Bart has of his yeah, it's all about the tannins. it's all about the tannins. The the eighteen the eighteen has a unresolved, and I've said this so many times, I should stop saying it. It right. has an unresolved tannin aspect that once it's open in the bottle, it seems to kind of um, remedy itself. Or when you buy a case and you put it away and have one a year, right? By the time you get to like bottle seven and eight, it'll have solved itself too, right? See, that's exactly right. Um, <laughs> See, case, but, but, case sales but, but have I, just gone through the roof. But I have tasted this with with people, and you know, uh, 
that's what they go on about is that they love that texture. So it goes back to that thing. Right. Find a wine that you love and buy a case of it, you know, so. Or um, two. Yeah. So, um, okay. Not all the questions were quite as serious. Good, because I need some, um, we need some but stupid ones here. Who would win in a fight? Doc Watson or Stevie Wonder? Doc Stevie Watson Wonder or Stevie blind? Yes. So is Doc Watson, isn't okay. it? Is Doc Watson blind? Well, I, I just got to go Stevie Wonder because he's uh, from the streets of Detroit. How's That's that? That's compelling. I mean, yeah. Yeah. He wrote about it in the song, right? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't I don't fight with people from Detroit. I think it's probably pretty good. Um, that's a pretty I, I good know. rule of thumb in life. Okay, okay. And then who'd win in a fight, David Byrne or Rick Ocasek? Oh God, neither of them. <laughs> yeah, the the world loses. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think David Byrne with that big coat and those you know long he, arms he, just swinging. He, Rick Ocasek could yeah, never get to him. Totally, some like, some some whiplash kind of situations there. Um, yeah, and I, I got hey, David Byrne. Yeah, right. Why he's a, Rick? Because he's a freaking psycho killer. Psycho what are you kidding? Ah. <laughs> and there you have your earworm for the day. Oh, this Psycho is killer. so much fun. You guys ask the questions. We're just answering them. <laughs> for um, for Roger worse. Randall is, would love to have a, a podcast fan online happy hour. Um, that is probably something that we should uh, long, try to schedule. Can, yeah. I can yeah. do that. Absolutely. Yeah. All we have to do is have. Um, just do a Zoom. and Yeah. Um, we don't even have to Zoom. I can I can talk well, about fire. On no, fire. I think he means like, he means like not a, just him. Like Zoom. Oh, everybody. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Or we do a one, personal one, Roger, one at, but one at a time. <laughs> right, you know. But we see you enough. How about everybody else? <laughs> well, and that's what it's all about, though, is having the 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 guests right. and the, the the listeners interact with each other, as opposed to just listening right. to us. So they can continue to plan taking over, right? Um, which is fine. Which is they fine. can have it. <laughs> you want this? It's all yours. <laughs> Lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, all right. This is in regards to these wines that you just bottled, kind of. Okay. Uh, and this is comes from the Alabama woods, from Jesse Woods. Uh, how do you guys, Bart and Sam, approach your wine pricing strategy? <laughs> Never enough right. more? Let me just, just do a little anecdotal, because I just did a bottling. Okay. And then I just got a bill for the bottling. And because we were bottling 2021 whites and the non-existent 2020 reds, uh, 2021 whites, 2020 reds, uh, we only bottled 600 cases, but you still have like minimum costs. And it's still, you know, even though it took us a half a day, you still pay for a day of the truck, uh, all the, the glass, the labor, 600 cases cost me $20,000 to bottle. And that's before that's not including Jesus, the labels really? or the corks just the glass and the bottling so what's that come down to per that's um what twenty thousand divided by 650 is what i did case wise is it's thirty dollars a case just in in you know so that's just a bottle just in bottling yeah that's what you know two dollars and fifty cents a bottle uh just in bottling costs and those co you know those costs are 
And what's the bottle Up. cost? Well, glass glass got ridiculously right. expensive. Glass basically doubled. Yep. Or at least, you know, 60% higher. Um, uh, uh, plus, add in all the shipping costs um, right. and whatnot. We now pay $16 a pallet. Right. You pay for the pallets. Pallets Never. used to be $7. Or, or not even a thing. You never got charged right. for them because yeah. they always took them back. Right. Right. Yeah. No. $16 a pallet. Yeah. And they're still crappy pallets. And they still are s- dissolve when you touch them with a forklift. Right. <laughs> or they come in and they're like, you know, they're not new pallets. They're, they're crap. Right. So, um, but we're going to learn. We've learned how to eliminate plastic, hopefully. We're working on that. Yeah, That'll that's probably a, be that's more a expensive. Nice but yeah. Yeah. It'll probably well be. I'll sleep better at night. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, bottling is ridiculous. And, and the prices went up for, right. for the bottling truck just in general because, right. you know, of all of their costs and, and whatnot. Um, so pricing strategy, especially in this world of, like, everything costs more. Um, you take that Mondavi rule and you, you know, add a third to it. So instead of 100 to 1 great price explain the mondavi 65 rule. to 1 so the the, the mondavi rule 100 to 1 so this was if your grapes cost 10,000 a pound what's well, that make 10,000 10, a ton is a 100 dollar okay. bottle right the mondavi rule 100 okay. to 1 that, that the price of a bottle is 1 100th the price of a ton of grapes and you think you know a ton of grapes is 50 cases so if you're spending $10,000 for a ton that's what makes you your grape costs $500 a case or something like that. Um, so at the very least, you have to have a $100 bottle to, yeah, to, absolutely. to to come close to, you know, and that's so that and that's in when, Mon, you know, when Mondavi was sort of creating that it was in the 60s. So right now, maybe it's 65 to one that, yeah. you know, if you're getting a $10,000 ton of grapes, it's probably a $130 bottle. Yeah. Um, at at bare minimum, um, you know, just to, what are the cheapest grapes in the field right now? I, with cab being the most expensive, it's more about region than than variety. Um, yeah, I mean, um, right? uh, you know, yeah, it's about region county than variety. Averages. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's Zinfandel in Sonoma County that's one price, and then there's Old Vine Zin that's you know twice that amount right and then there's um, Zinfandel in Lodi that's a third the cost of a California I mean of a Sonoma ton of Zinfandel right um I think so, the average price for cab in Napa right now is 65 a ton or something like that um yeah and you know Zin in Sonoma is probably 2500 a ton I mean I guess John to answer your question probably the some of the least expensive grapes right now would be are, are probably something i mean that wolf, wolf, in wolf. general Great. i'll say sauvignon blanc and and zin probably you know i mean um because then there's also things that aren't necessarily as popular but there's so such small amounts of it it keeps the prices high um so yeah, that's kind of a hard question um but but pricing strategies i mean in in the past for me, I've always kind of used that model, you know, depending on grape costs and and then what it costs to make the wine. You know, you have your gallons, you have right. your, your price per gallon and you, and you have your your set price um, that's kind of determined like how much it costs you. OK, um, there have been small 
increases that go on. I know my wife um, always questions, you know, how much you're going to raise your prices. Um, but I think what the hardest one is the shipping costs, like shipping wine oh, out to man. you guys. What because, is going on now? Um, well, shipping costs have gone up. And then um, uh, that I just got notified of that um, just a couple weeks ago from my shipper. Um, and so I've half those prices. And then, you know, now if people that want to ship now, we have the cold chain shipping, which is very effective, but that also costs more. And, um, you know, I think we're just going to be at this point, we're still going to absorb those increases um, on that side, you know. Um, so I, I haven't quite figured that out yet. Yeah. Jesse, if you want to help us with our pricing strategy. <laughs> We'll take it. No, I mean, Get on here, and the other piece of it is, um, I, you know, maybe Bart does by percentage slightly more retail wholesale than than we do. Uh, but you, you have to find this happy medium between selling your wine retail direct at a price that, you know, recovers your costs and actually makes you money, but not so much that you've pushed the wholesale price the place where you know the restaurants and the and the wine shops don't want to buy it anymore because it's too expensive and they can't they're not going to be able to sell it especially if you know in a restaurant where it's going to be a three four times markup so you have to like find this happy medium where you can sell your wine for enough to your customers but you haven't increased the wholesale price so much that you don't get any wholesale action anymore right. but that your wholesale price is high enough <laughs> that when you know the wine reaches a shelf you're not getting undercut or not deeply undercut uh, on what you're trying to sell it for. Right. It's a, uh, it's um and, and, and we've talked about this before. I mean, the, you know, we have customers who have found uh, my wine has been found at a place cheaper than what he could buy it from me for. And, and at the time when I agreed into that to go do business with that company, it, 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 it made sense for me, you know, um, and, and that is what it is. It, right. You're right. It is. I, and if you want to buy it from me, I'll match the price for you because it's out there, you know. Um, right. uh, but that is something that is out there. I mean, prices are out there everywhere. You know, you can tell exactly right. how much wine. Wine searcher. Yep. Because yeah. um, that's all out there. So, um, yeah, it's a matter of, um, you know, balance. Right. You know, and the flip side, uh, the there's a place in LA and I, you know, he's, he's been on the show, Alvaro at wine stop. He definitely has our wines listed at prices, you know, prices lower than I would sell them in the tasting room. Um, but he only has a couple of things. Right. And routinely people show up here right. who went in there and bought a couple bottles right. and, and love it. And I say, great. The things that Alvaro sells, keep buying from Alvaro. Because that keeps that, you know, that business strong. But if you want to be a member here and get access to all these other things, you know, sign your name and credit card right there. Yeah. And and so there's definitely that always that piece of like that other side of the balance of like, yeah. you know, if you're if your margins are tight on the wholesale side, you kind of just shake that off to the marketing budget a little bit that we don't really have, yeah. you know, so, yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's an interesting so, uh, process to go through. So that's so much for strategy there, Jesse. Right. <laughs> well, you have, there is no strategy. You it's got just a strategy. We take know. a bunch of numbers, we put them on a dartboard, and then you well, you start with a have a glass of wine, true, spin around, yeah. and then throw a dart. Throw a dart. <laughs> but you have a tried and true way of looking at it that started in the '60s. 
And so what you're finding is you're, you're really being taken to task right now. There's a whole lot going on in terms of price increases and things. It's just it's shaking everything up. Yeah, really bad. It, it is. It's it's complicated, complex, scary times in that regard. But at the end of the day, your biggest cost is still your grapes. And the reason that, you know, the, the Mondavi rule is honestly more about farming than winemaking and wine selling that if you can assure to your growers as a winemaker or, you know, winery owner that um, you're going to sell this wine at a, at a level and, and because of that, I can pay you this much for the grapes, then that wine, that grower can go out and put that extra work in because he knows he's going to get that, or right. he or she knows they're going to sure. get that that price for the grapes so if it means you know going out and taking 20 percent of the crop off to to make the rest of it better but you're going to get that price you can do those things so i mean really what the mondavi rule did was improve the farming and and allowed for the economic model to improve the farming so more than anything that's what that's what matters and still you know you gotta if you want good grapes you're gonna pay for them that's right yeah I wonder what the new rule of thumb will be when we come out of this. 50 to 1. I don't know. The problem with 100 to 1 is it's so easy to do the math in your head, yeah, you know? That's right. That's right. Um, so uh, another question. Matt uh, DeCorte. Down um, the Central Coast down there? Down the Central Coast would like to know what it, would it take to get more microphones? And, <laughs> um, and he says that with a laugh. Uh, we need a, laughing, a uh, board with more microphone right. in, right? But you know what? I I think it's more a matter of um, controlling how many people we have as guests. Right. Um, but I think more microphones would just have us talking over each other more. Um, more money, more problems. Yeah. So I think we're better off at times when we need to share a, a microphone. I, I think it keeps us from talking over each other. Um, built-in limitations right of course and what is it that he said back there so who's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can't talk in the microphone keep your fucking mouth shut oops there goes the cussing <laughs> thing again Those parental warnings yes we shouldn't be listening it's, on, it's actually we, we have parental because we talk also. about alcohol right i yeah yeah right. i think ed set it up that way right. um thanks podfather <laughs> he, he knew well because if there's a liability, it's his, not ours. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> what liability is there? I don't know. None. I, I, ask my lawyer. <laughs> Lady just drove in here with a dog on her steering wheel. Isn't that Jasmine? Was it? I think that's Jasmine. All right. What, uh, what All right. else can we try here, Bart? Um, so here, this is the Zen from... Uh, what was the old Valley, the moon property um, field Abbott, blend Abbott's Abbott. Now Abbott's passage. Shout out Abbott's passage Zin into a burgundy. Cause that's all you can get. <laughs> no, no I was able to get, I did. So I did my 18s in, in burgundy and that was a, um, that was a, a labeling um, issue. Mm. So I was able to, it cost so much to do a small run of Bordeaux labels that I put it into burgundy glass. And cause I was labeling a bunch of burgundy labels. Right. I was printing a bunch of burgundy labels and the cost was why so much more change. They, they just did. It's, it's just, you, there's economy of scale. That's another thing that goes along with this 
whole thing is, you know, there's a place where printing labels gets cheaper, but you have to make enough wine to get to that point. And so um, stacking up labeling and trying to order when things are um, still in barrels um, is is advantageous. Um, what a novel concept. And, you know, as as planning when Sam used to do, you know, how many different rosés, um, you know, for for me. We only made three rosés this year. Okay. <laughs> have you been, have you had more? Uh, we did four once. Four or five, right? We did the, I think four. I, think I guess it was four, yeah. Um, maybe five. Autotet, Miller, Kosher. Right. But those are all still the same label. So, I mean, it's, there's well, a Well, not the Autotet. There's a but, Oh, no, you're Autotet, right. you're right. Um, but, but at any rate, John, when you change labels, um, it, it, you have to get to a, a large enough economy of scale. So printing labels for 120 cases is not really feasible. Um, you need to print. When Too bad did, you can't do these at home and slap them on. You can. It's uh, there's people who do that. Yeah. Um. But the hardest thing is the slapping them on. The nice thing about it, you go to the the label printers they get onto the spool that you attach to the machine yep. and you know everything is the same. Um. But I, I made the same, you know, very similar call that Bart made. We used to do a bigger label on the Bordeaux bottles than on the Burgundy bottles. And you pay this change fee and you have a different die cut and there's all these things. So uh, I, I think 2011 vintage was the last time I used the big labels on the on the Bordeaux. And now it's all the same size label. Um, you just, you know, you, you, Make it smart. Yeah. So um, uh, Zinn um, planted in the 40s. Uh, it's definitely a field blend. I feel as that there's quite a bit of Carignan in the. Um, mm -hmm. in in the blend or in the field blend, um, That's beautiful. So yeah, it's you know, uh, I very Sonoma Valley ish mm -hmm. without much Petite Syrah or Alicante in it. Right. So yeah, I'm happy with it. No, I dig it. And then here is the um, aforementioned Malbec, Travis. Um, that is a thank you purple wine. Yes, there you go. Different color, isn't it? Yep. Lazy Dog Vineyard. Shout out Steve. Mr. Waymeyer. So um what else? Do we have any more questions? That was pretty much it. Somebody maybe somebody asked something about um Um and maybe it was also Matt DeCourt who wanted to do like a, a franchise the winemakers podcast to the Central Coast with the same concept. Um which sounds good to me. Um, Franchise fee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Ten percent of nothing is still nothing. It's still nothing. Um, oh, this is where we establish the value of it right yes. now. Like uh, if we were going on Shark Tank. Yeah. Yeah. This was this was also Matt DeCorte. Um, uh, can we franchise the pod? We could do a Central Coast version with the same priorities of featuring people uh, with their own brands, but have out you know work for other people. I have a nice patio. So he's got a nice patio. That's a start. Right well, uh, does he have dogs? Do you have dogs to interrupt every show? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. My, my goddamn dogs. 
I it's not a corgi, lot. it's a lab. If it's not a lab, it's a boxer. If it's not a boxer, it's a whatever oh, Jasmine's I, dog I had is. to lock them up this morning, leaving the house, because I've got guys crawling all over the house. Oh, I'm sure they're, they're just going, going nuts. They're going bananas. I just had to lock them up. I couldn't get out of the house. I've got guys painting my door. I'm trying to get out. No, no, no. I got some good feedback from um, our episode last week with Charlie Tolbert. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, it was... Uh, John, did you enjoy that? It was, it. it was fun. It was fun. A lot I mean, of fun. Char- nice guy. <laughs> you know, Charlie's um, Charlie's seen it evolve a lot. And I yeah. guess that's something that kind of hits core with me is like, you know, people that are here now and people that come to visit, they have no idea that it wasn't really that long ago that... <laughs> They didn't necessarily have, you know, there was nothing. Uh, to there visit. was no stainless steel tanks. There was nothing to visit, um, you know, uh, that there were. What did he say? Five wineries in Sonoma. Yeah, yeah it's been, it's Sonoma within a generation. Valley. Yeah, that it's gone from, yeah. you know, you had five wineries and all the there wasn't as many vineyards and whatever was made was put on a truck and sent to a wholesale, you know, a yeah. warehouse and a distributor. And that's how wine left the valley. That's the way and, it was. And now it's, you know totally totally a different different business so all right final shout outs guys uh other than jasmine and her wedding jasmine and her wedding congratulations to jasmine and ian uh and to diane and uh blake is jasmine ken fuck uh congratulations to the parents of the bride and the parents of the groom i want to hear that (laughs) yeah right there Uh uh and other uh, shout out final Sunday tickets are live on sale. I sent out a bad link. Thank you to everybody who read to the bottom of the email to click the bad link, proving all the marketing scientists wrong that nobody reads emails. Um, I sent out a bad link. Good links coming. Um, or you can find it at MartyO'Reilly.com. When is this? This is July 3rd. July 3rd. Uh, and it is uh, at the Denmark Street Barn. Um, to offsite for Phil sent me members, we're going to have shuttles running from here to there from the tasting house out there in VW buses. Um, so you can arrive in style. Uh, also shout out to the, uh, I'm heading to Walla Walla in July. Uh, this is because of Jeff Bunchu. Um, they do a, the Walla Walla wine celebration weekend. I'm sure there's a better name for it than that. Um, they do a big event every summer, and they each year they sort of focus on one of the three main varieties that they grow in Walla Walla. Uh, so there's a Cab, there's a Merlot, which Jeff was on the panel for a few years ago, right. and then there's Syrah, and they called Jeff to say, hey, you want to come back and do Syrah? And he said, no, call 16600. Um, awesome. So I'm going up in July, pouring in a panel. I'm going to try and hang out with Elaine Hawk Waka Chuck and Brown. Because she's the editor of Francis Robinson right. and a friend, uh, so that's that's I'm excited about that. A little shout outs there. So if, if you're she in Walla Walla, Walla, Walla or she no, 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 she's the, she's she's the event. She's the event. Yeah, she's the keynote speaker, and I think she's moderating the panel right. that I'm speaking on, which is awesome. She won't let me sound too dumb, right? Um, or she will make sure I sound <laughs> just dumb enough. Sam. <laughs> but if you're in Walla Walla, you know, if you're close to that part of the world. Uh, go check out Walla Walla Wine. It's actually a, a great event if you're a Syrah lover. This is the one to go to for sure. That's awesome. So um, Dave, Dave Hayes, the answer is Syrah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, upcoming podcasts next week we have Darling Wines. Oh yeah, Tom Darling, new tasting room in town. Yep. 
the week after Bill reading from uh, Sonoma Port Work. So we're getting a little education on port. Uh, went to grammar to, school with his daughter. Okay. Did you? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then um, Psalm Select um, at the end of uh, June. Um, so anyway, some yeah. good stuff. You won't have to listen to us talking ever again. Right. <laughs> Oh, these are good shows, yeah, man. This is, this I, is we all, I, I do, you know, as much as we love having all the guests on, um, we get great feedback from these. So thanks for you guys for listening to these ones. And um, maybe we'll give you more advanced notice on the questions, questions only uh, episodes. So you can get some more questions next time. Well, we had good ones today. Yeah, so definitely. thanks you, everybody. All right, guys. Malbec's great. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I think it's, these are all um, great. It's on its way, you know, by fall. Mm-hmm. Um, Bart, cheers. You're making really good wines, thanks, brother. Thanks. They are fabulous. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.